0: When last we met? Hey, I'll tell you what. So we walk out of church last Sunday morning. It was the best. We walk out of church, we go straight to the patio, and we get to experience a couple of baptisms. That was incredible. You know, I've always wanted to do polar baptisms. I just thought that'd be the (laughs) coolest thing. Coolest, literally. Like, you know, do baptisms on uh, New Year's Day or something like that. Fresh start, cold start. Hey, I'm going to be... Uh,
1: not here that day. I'll watch the live stream. So, <laughs> so
0: no, it went really well. Cause that day it was even a little. It was even a little warm. I think it was like forty-seven, and so it was. It was not bad. But then while I'm there, uh, Peyton, Peyton Hobbs is visiting with her parents uh, from Florida. They moved away a couple years ago, or and and so uh, she comes. She comes walking out Can I get baptized today? And, and I'm like. Peyton, you don't have a change of clothes. So we probably need to talk and make sure you understand what's going on, all that sort of stuff. And so she keeps asking and asking and asking. And the parents are there. I'm like, well, what do you think? And, and they're, they're kind of, well, yeah, yeah. and I said, tell you what, if she still wants to get baptized tomorrow, we'll come back tomorrow and she can get baptized tomorrow. During the day, I, get, I hear from them, yes, she's, she's ready to go. So we had a, a good conversation about where she was in her walk with Christ. And then she said, and then uh, Ryan says, by the way, we all want to get baptized. So this was the coolest thing. On Monday, we come out here. Now, you got to remember, they're, they're living in Florida, right? <laughs> that day, it was supposed to be 54. It was 34 34 degrees did you crack the ice take the lid (laughs) off the steam is coming up off the water and one by one uh, we got the privilege of baptizing them which uh, here's what i love we're 140 years old and this year we baptized 40 people 40 people in our 140th year i think that's that's, i think that's that's really really what an incredible year incredible year so then after we get done with the baptism Sunday morning, we head over to the field, Shanahan Junior High, for this epic flag football game, and, and we, I mean, we really learned about some talent that day.
1: Yeah, I can't lie to you. Uh, if you watch college football, then you watched yesterday, and there were a lot of really good games. Michigan toppled Ohio State, mm-hmm. Auburn almost took down the great Alabama, but that wasn't the best football of the week. The best football of the week happened on that field, and I got to tell you, my wife,
0: What a stud. I mean, she... (laughs) The Bears need to recruit this girl, man.
1: I'm thinking so. I mean, Cole Komet can't catch a football Mr. Stonehands. I think we need to get her a jersey. Uh, Because there was this one pass right up the sideline. The the throw goes right to her. And in stride, she turns, full sprint, hands outreached as far as her little arms can go, (laughs) snags it. And she's not wearing these receiver sticky gloves that they've got, Okay. She's talking about how cold her hands are. So she's wearing the, the really cheap like dollar fuzzy black gloves, which don't make it easier to catch, but still, fingers extended, grabs it, pulls it in, and then just high steps the sideline into the end zone. And she did that like over and over it and over. It was nuts.
0: It was nuts. It was awesome.
1: I yeah. kept saying she was the secret weapon. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. I'm telling you.
0: I kept saying she was the secret weapon, waiting for her to break out, and then that happened. I'm like, see, yeah. look, watch. Oh, my word. I, on the other hand was not the secret weapon. There was no secret. I, I, would, I would occasionally move. That was a good thing. They actually let me touch the ball four or five times. couple times, times yeah. Yep, got yeah, got a few first downs. That was kind of fun. Every time I somehow ended up on the ground, even though it's flag football. <laughs> and um, and the, the thing I really love, we're about three quarters of the way through the game, and I go, man, I don't think my knee feels good. And I'm like, man, my knee is feeling worse. Man, my... I did nothing, and I have the worst injury of the week. I have been, I've been limping all week long. I've been begging for an amputation.
1: I mean, my <laughs> knee is killing me, killing me. And it was so much fun. Well, and for the record, we did play one game where we just kind of divvied up random players, and, and that was fun. But then the suggestion was made that we should play oldies on youngins. Oldies win. Let's go. All these, all these <laughs> did all
0: right. All these did all right. That was a good time. So, so we had a, just a really, a really fun week. Of course, Thanksgiving was amazing. Yeah. I hope yours was as well. Yeah. We, yeah. we had all kinds of food and got to spend time with uh, Kim's brother and sister yeah. and just a, a really, a really wonderful time together. So having said that. Thanksgiving is now out of the way, and you make this very quick transition to, Hey, it's Christmas! Here we go! Advent is here! It is finally here. And so we'll begin that celebration today, and, and we've got some things coming into next weekend that reinforce uh, the, the importance. We get, we get the role of the shepherds. We get the role of declaring we just we just heard about the birth of the Messiah. So tell us about these events coming up.
1: Yeah, this weekend, starting on Saturday, we have our testimony workshop from ten to eleven thirty. So hour and a half. If you want to come learn how to give your story in less than ten minutes, uh, we we want to help guide you in that. So if. If you're looking for a way to uh, to put together your testimony so that throughout the holiday season you can share it with friends, family, coworkers, and just literally spread the gospel uh, from here and forever in that short window, come come learn how to do that because it is it is going to be really really cool and it's been powerful for the people who have gone through that both at Green Lake and with our our women's event. Uh, it's just a really really cool approach to to how to how to do it. So come learn, listen, and and put together your story. On Sunday, next Sunday, right after church from 12 to 2, we're going to be eating some pizza and building some gingerbread nativity scenes. I'm super pumped for this. This is a Southfield Families event, so little kids, big kids, and Refuge, if you have one of those uh, age group kids, we want you to come out. If you haven't um, invited somebody, please do invite them out. We're going to be hanging out in the gym and, and doing a lot of fun activities, fun games, and you're going to be learning the story of uh, of Christmas. And as, as we're building these nativity scenes, there's a, a script to follow, and I don't know. It's just, it's gonna be really, really cool. So that's next Sunday. Uh, so packed weekend, Saturday, Sunday, two big events for us to, to be a part of. And then we followed up on Monday, uh, Monday evening. From 530 to 645, we're, we're going to be praying for all the people that haven't entered into a real relationship with Jesus. Here we've experienced all this really cool um, fruition of that in baptisms throughout the year, but there are still tons and tons and tons of people that have not yet uh, come into that relationship. We want to be sure that we are, are shepherding and, and praying for those people that haven't made uh, the leap in in terms of coming into a relationship with God. So that's that's next Monday night. Very full weekend. Try and come to at least one. We'd love to have you out um to again do stuff with our Southfield family.
0: You could not help noticing walking into the building how absolutely beautifully everything was decorated. Yeah. So uh Dana and Jason were over here this week getting the the trees out of boxes and wreaths up and just getting getting our entire celebration ready. So we're we're incredibly grateful for the uh, not only the work that, well, poor Jason, the work that Jason <laughs> does at, at Dana's direction, but the, the, the creativity, the incredible creativity that she has in that process. And you know, we come, we come today to uh, a piece of our, our journey with uh, Jason and Dana that's, that's kind of tough. Uh, it was after the musical in the spring uh, that, that Jason let us know that they were, they were pursuing some opportunities in Colorado. And, um, and it turns out that today, Today is his last Sunday with us. So we want to make sure, some of you know that, some of you don't, but you want to make sure to to let Jason know how much much he's meant uh, to you. And then Dana will be around for a couple more weeks, getting us through the Christmas program. During those two weeks, we're going to convince her to stay. We're going <laughs> to nail her feet to the floor, and uh, Jason can commute. So anyway, <laughs> um, but I know you know. I know we we go through this. It seems like we go through an exceptional amount of it. Whether you live in New York, California, or Illinois, you're in one of those states that everybody seems to say there there's a better place and uh, there's somewhere else. And uh, you know, I, I, again, I just want to say to you that. Um, Kim and I, a long time ago, committed. This is, you're our promised land. We love you. We are here. And we're committed to this. And so, I, you know, I hope that uh, as, as friends leave, we will, what we'll do is um, we'll enjoy the season we had with them. Instead of, you know, we, I, too many of us, I, one thing I hear from people from time to time is, I hate change. Well, I'm sad for you. Because for one thing, change is pretty cool. But change never stops. Guess what? You will die and you will change. You will decompose. We won't open the box to look, but you will decompose. Change is part of this game, folks. And so enjoy and cherish the season you have with people. Don't, you know, don't wait. That, I think we do that too often. We wait too long to finally dig our roots deeply into another person. And then God calls them somewhere else and we live in regret. Stop living in regret. Dig roots deeply. And enjoy people while you have them. Enjoy them while you have them. So we're just, uh, you know, we would not be who we are without the ministry of Jason and Dana Aubrey. We would not be who we are. And we're utterly grateful. So um, we're moving now into Advent. It's finally here. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in the message. But um, we were, we've been telling you for the last several weeks that this Dwell app that we use uh, put out a devotional, an Advent devotional, to go along. And so, what we're going to do for the four Sundays of Advent is, we'll give you that that featured Sunday. So, for some of you, you're doing this with us, and and that particular day, you can do your uh, devotional with us at mm-hmm. church. For the rest, you're you're not doing it with us, and that's okay. You'll at least get one one Sunday uh, each each week of being able to enjoy that. So, I'm going to have Brian read the devotional to us, and then. We'll, we'll move to communion, and during communion, this will be unusual, but I think it's going to be really meaningful. Uh, we're going to play the passage from Dwell on, on the, you know, the thing, the, yeah, those things. It's going to come out through the boomy-boomy, and uh, you're going to go ahead and, and listen to Scripture as we move to communion. So, and the other thing that will be happening during this is each week while Brian's reading, we, we're going to have somebody uh, each week from the front row That's going to come and light our Advent candle. So, uh, and I love this because I, you know, I was looking for lighters, and uh, the the thing I love at at weddings is with lighters is the poor moms going up there, click, 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 click. Hey, anybody got a light? You know, I literally had that. It happened. So I've got this now. So one of our students is going to burn down the building.
1: and we'll, be, and we'll be meeting in a I stable of our own. It's a good thing you're not letting me like that. Uh, so yeah. you go ahead
0: and read, and then uh, we'll have our light candlelit
1: during the reading. Advent is fundamentally and unquestionably a story of God's faithfulness to his people in and through the birth of Jesus Christ. It's too glorious a story for us to imagine and more lavishly extravagant than we can be, even begin to fathom. Though Advent is an invitation that invites a response, its arrival is entirely independent of our ability to control or contrive. In fact, Adventus, the Latin word from which this great season receives its name, means arrival. In many ways, this is a lens through which we can read the story of Scripture. The entire Bible is filled with moments of God's arrival, his breaking into the story of creation and breathing life where there is death, peace where there is chaos, and hope where there is despair. And yet, it seems with each arrival that his presence was so often met with fear, skepticism, and outright disobedience. Our alienation from God is a self-made isolation. Though he never ceases to pour out his love upon us, we all too easily turn away from this love, failing to see that his love is with us wherever we may go. And so, we begin this season... As we begin the season, we are invited today to do three things. Pray, look, and listen. We pray for the humility and repentance of David, who, though painfully aware of his own shortcomings, in Psalm 25, 5, pursued the Lord to the very end. Lead me, teach me, for you I wait all day long. Likewise, we look back to the ancient story of old, seeing how God in Christ has fulfilled all of his promises to the house of Israel. And lastly, we listen to the words of Christ, who not only came as a child, but promises to come again in power and in glory, inviting us to be alert at all times, anticipating the Lord's second advent. Pray, look, and listen. This is the heart of Advent, the return of the prodigal, and the way of holiness that prepares us to greet the lord when he comes with all of his saints
0: now one of the things i love is is we're going to communion and we hear the scripture reading is that their focus is not to simply move to some of the very classic uh passages that we hear about about advent but um they're they're actually talking about that second advent they're talking about the coming again of jesus during that during that scripture uh reading Each week, there's a a prayer to pray. So if you'd go ahead and pray that prayer for us so we can hear
1: that. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal, through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
0: It's our practice during communion um, to walk to communion, something we've done for several years and we love it. So the plate doesn't come to you, you go to the plate. And we do that in large part because we believe that communion should be a very intentional act. Sometimes people will ask, you know, does our church open up communion to people who don't go to our church? Uh, communion is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and really for each of us, every week when we come to communion, we need to take some time to look at our hearts, to ask, is there sin I'm intentionally holding on to that's blocking me in my relationship with God? If so, uh, don't simply not go to communion, repent of the sin. Repent of the sin so that you can take that, that communion with joy. Um, so we walk to communion. There are two tables at the front, there are two tables at the back, and then we have three gluten free stations around the room as well uh, two on either side of the platform and one at the back table off to the side. So as we go to communion, we'll listen to a scripture being read.
2: Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith now may our god and father himself and our lord jesus direct our way to you and may the lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our god and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory now when these things begin to take place straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near and he told them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees as soon as they come out in leaf you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man.
0: churches all over America and the world today celebrating the first Sunday of Advent, and they're, they're starting out, and um, we're not starting out. You know by now we're not like other churches. We're not starting out. We've already been doing this for five weeks. This is the sixth installment of Advent for us. We know and recognize that those four weeks ahead of Christmas are just packed. And and full of activity, and we wanted to take the time to do some slowing. Some slowing so that as we enter into this season, we can embrace fully that name of Jesus, Emmanuel. God is with us. He is with you. No matter what your circumstances may say to you today, your circumstances are not the truth. The truth is God is with you. He is with us all the time. And so we've looked over the last few weeks at where life begins we looked at genesis we looked at the fact that we start with god but then sin separates us from god and the bible says that adam and eve were actually they were banished they were banished from the garden they were they were pushed out cain when he kills his brother is even further pushed out further banished but that's not where god wants us to live god doesn't want us to live in banishment god wants us to, wants us to live in connection with him so we looked at some of the ways that we as human beings sow our own fig leaves. We, we find our own way in order to come into a connection with God. And, and we've looked at different ways that we work that relationship that are, that are other than being with God. Well, today we're going to make a decided shift. Today we're going to move from all the ways that we live life apart from God to looking at the ways that we live life with God. I don't think most of us think of ourselves as living life with God. In fact, more often than not, as, as we go through our days, as we go through our weeks, we, we're, kind of, we're not conscious of the fact that God is with us. We think God's with us in the big moments, right? In the big stuff, there's God. But what about the, the ordinary, the everyday, those little things? We don't see it quite as much. I think we have an experience that's not all that different from Jacob in the Bible. If you are to go on the campus of Abilene Christian University where Nate and Shannon went to school, there's a beautiful sculpture, a sculpture of stone and of steel. And that sculpture depicts angels ascending and descending a ladder. It depicts a moment where Jacob, this man whose name is literally Deceiver, how would you love it? Every time you hear your name, your name is saying, Deceiver, Deceiver, Deceiver. He's a man of great deception. This Deceiver is coming through the wilderness and he, he lays his head down on a rock one night, and as he's trying to sleep, he has a dream. And it's a dream of angels descending and descending a ladder into heaven. And then the voice of God. The voice of God that says to him, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of you, Jacob. The land you're on, I'm gonna give to your people. The nations of the world will be blessed through you. He hears these words. He absorbs the words. He wakes up. And he, and he says these, these words that, that are just unmissable. He says he woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I think that's where most of us live life. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this moment. The Lord is with us, and I didn't know it. I didn't have a clue. I didn't see it. What we have to do as people who love Jesus and follow Jesus, is train our minds and train our hearts to be able to see God in every moment. He's always there. A few years back, I was encouraged by some people to take on a pursuit of finding God in all things. Now, when I heard that term, I got to admit that that, that that trained theologian in me went, what are you saying? Because the first thing I hear is, you want me to become a pantheist. Pantheists believe that God is everything and everything is God. Rocks are God. Trees are God. God is everywhere. God's in everything. And and they take that approach. And that's not true. God is transcendent from his creation. God isn't part of his creation. He's transcendent from his creation. He's above it. He's the creator. He's the one that made all things. He's not part of the creation. But we can look and find God in all things. And I think sometimes we take on the approach the opposite of the pantheist. We take the approach of the deist the deist who believes God created all things and then just walked away. He let natural laws take care of everything, but he's not involved in the daily moments of our life. He is involved in the daily moments of your life. He shows up all the time. And time and time again, we could find ourselves saying, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. And so during Advent, I'd love for you to take on the, the, the challenge of attempting to find God in your life. Where is God in the everyday moments? Not just in the biggie stuff. In the everyday moments, where is God showing up in your life? Now, that kind of work takes openness. You have to believe that God actually is there. And that God actually wants to reveal himself to you. It also takes some training. We train our eyes and hearts, we train our souls to see God in all things. To see where he is. In my family, I, I like to do bird feeders and I've had all kinds of birds come to my yard, including the hawks that like to eat the little birds. All kinds of birds come to my yard. But the one that I love the most is when the hummingbirds show up in the spring. And I love watching the patterns of the hummingbirds. They're crazy. They're just crazy. They're the tiniest little birds. You wonder how in the world this thing can exist. I've actually found a couple of hummingbird nests. They're about the size of half of a shot glass, if you can imagine. It's just a tiny, how they raise babies in that nest is unthinkable. But I watch these hummingbirds. They come into my yard and they're very territorial. So one will come flying in and say, my feeder, mine, 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 all mine. And he'll sit off in the bush And he'll just watch and wait for another hummingbird to come up. And as soon as that one does, out to the races, man. I mean, it's just—it's like watching World War II uh, planes going at each other. I'm going to take you down. You're gone. What what happened that I didn't realize is that as I watched them through the years, my eyes started getting trained to spot hummingbirds. And so I'm out on the I&M Canal path one day, and all of a sudden I'm like, there goes a hummingbird. I'm telling you, those things probably passed my eyes thousands of times in the past. I just thought it was a big bug. But now I recognize the pattern. I recognize, I even saw him go up into the tree and land and just stare at me. Hi, how are you? Good. We're doing all right. Thanks so much. It, it takes training to see. It takes training to see the activity of God in your life. And it takes time. It takes time. The more you walk with God, the more you see God walking with you. It takes time. Finally, it takes practice. It takes a practice. And so I'm going to give you some elements of a practice. I'm sure there are more, but some elements that will help us to be able to spot God in the daily moments of our lives. It begins with reciting the truth. You might think it begins with looking at our past or something like that. No, it begins with rewiring the way your brain works. Romans 12, 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the renewing of our minds comes by absorbing Scripture, by taking in Scripture. We need to recite the truth. I, I looked up the definition of recite. Sometimes I look up words I think I know, right? Repeat a louder declaim from memory before an audience. I'm just repeating before an audience. Sometimes the audience is me. Sometimes I'm telling the story to someone else. But I'm saying, this is the truth. Your circumstances are not the truth about who God is. The word of God is the truth about who God is. The word, the word of God is the truth about what God means in your life. So I'd encourage you, as you recite the truth, to do two things. One, find some hope-filled passages, hope-filled passages that you can walk with. You know, I, I, I like to get that verse of the day from, from the one you're, or, or from Bible.com, from you version. And I think it was Thanksgiving Day or maybe the day before this verse popped onto my phone. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. And my heart, it's filled with joy. I burst into songs of thanksgiving. We need verses like that. Verses that we can just clutch onto and say, this is the truth. This is the, not what the world says, not what my circumstances say. This is the truth about my relationship with God. And we not only need to review and recite the hope-filled passages, but also the, the epic moments of the Word of God. Go back to the big stories, the, the moments that God showed up massively. Things like the release from Egypt and the Passover that takes place, the Dead Sea opening, manna, bread, popcorn, falling from the sky, Jericho and the walls fall down just because of a shout and some trumpets and some walking. David and Goliath, 17-year-old kid out there with just a stone, boop, pop, Goliath's gone. The miracles of Jesus, think about the reality. What is it like to be laying on the ground and somebody comes up and says, no, seriously, you can walk, go ahead, do it. And you stand up and walk and you see the power of God in this activity. Jesus walking on water. How about those apostles that are released from prison miraculously? You look at the stories, you look at the stories, this is the truth of who God is. This is the truth of the way he was present with his people and he's present with you as well. We need to recite these passages, recite the truth. Then we go back into our life and recount the moments. We go back and look and realize there are times God showed up. There are times God was there absolutely vividly. I'll give you a number of moments you might think about. Sometimes you have had a moment of supernatural intervention. God just, God cut through your atmosphere with power. I've told this story before. I'm a little kid, probably 10 10 years old. And my dad decided on 4th of July that he was going to remove the muffler from this old 67 Ford and he took off the tires on the back, and he put it up on scissors jacks, and he started shaking that car, shaking that muffler, and that car came crashing down on him. Folks, if you look at the distance when a car has its tires off, there's not a lot of space there. If I'd have been older, I'd have realized in that moment my dad was dead. He was gone. There was no way he survived that. My dad's, my mom starts screaming out, Joe, 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 that's my dad's name, and, and, and the next thing I saw is my mom go to the back of the car and put her hands on the bumper and lift the car, and my dad scooted out. It was years later, years later. I'm, I'm, I was a pastor at this church. It's years later that we're recounting that story together. And I said, yeah, and I remember when you started screaming Joe and went over and picked up the car, and my mom said, I did not do that. I was screaming, Joe, the neighbor's name is Joe. I was going to get the neighbor. I was at the neighbor. I came out, and Dad was out from under the car. Who picked up the car? And why did God let me see it? Hey, it it hasn't happened again in my life. But in that moment, I saw the supernatural intervention of God. Is it possible you've had a supernatural moment like that? Or even just unexpected supply? We've had three kids and at the birth of each of those kids, Kim cried. Not because of the pain of labor, but because we wouldn't afford be able to afford college for our children. Oh, we won't be able to afford college. Our kids, our kids are, it's all, it's over, it's over, it's over. Sorry. It was every kid graduated from college debt-free. God supplies. We worry, God supplies. Treacherous terrain. You look back at some of those moments in your life that you thought, we are not going to survive this. And here you are. I could tell you the treacherous terrain of seven years from an old building to a new building and moments that were so dark that I'd drive by this property and I didn't, even, I didn't even turn to look at it. I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. It hurt too much. And to look back now and say, I've seen you move, you move moved the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. You can do it again thin spaces. I love thin spaces. There, there, there are times in your life that you go, the distance between this part of the atmosphere and God's part of the atmosphere is about this thin. And if I were to just punch my hand through, I can touch God. You have those moments that you just, with intensity, you can sense his presence. Maybe it's in a moment of singing and worship. Whatever it is, you just have one of those thin space moments grace and mercy received you go back and review the story of your salvation you think If our god i wouldn't have saved me but he did he did and he loved you that much that he did how about incarnate moments by incarnate moments i mean there are those moments in life that a person Behold, does something the days god are coming declares the lord and you get a when to I... see the character of god in someone else And sometimes when they do that, it's so contrary to their normal personality and their normal character that you go, only God could have motivated you to do that. And you see it. How about non-responsive stillness? Dark nights. Sometimes God feels a million miles away. I remember one night in college. I was so lonely. And I went and laid in the middle of the grass between my dorm and a cemetery I just laid there staring in the sky saying, God, why? Why in the world does life have to hurt so much? You know, I didn't get an audible response. I didn't get a (laughs) eat at Joe's across. Nothing, nothing. (sighs) But what I got was just this sense that you are not alone. You are not alone. In dark nights, I think God gives us dark nights sometimes. He gives us moments that feel like a withdrawal of his presence so we'll know what his presence feels like so that we know what it's like when he is there look at your past god's been there and you probably didn't even notice it i'd encourage you further to recognize your pathway we've talked about this in the past I'll just very 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 quick review I think every of us every one of us have a more natural way than others to connect with god one very brilliant author identified nine says, so some of us will take a walk in nature, and to us, God is everywhere. I'm one of those people. Some of us, it's all about the senses, the touching, the smelling, the tasting. All the senses come together, and, and, and you come in contact with God. I think my more primary one is the next one, solitude. Those times that I can withdraw from all of life and just be alone with God. For some, it's ritual and routine. The routine of doing the same things brings you into closeness with God. Engagement. You're one of those people that when injustice is happening, you get involved and you sense that God's part of that involvement or mercy and care. Worship, just these moments, it's funny. The majority of the room here goes during worship, they're doing a great job up there. And a few of us are like, whoa! hands in the air and want to dance and the whole works because we're we're sensing god in that moment contemplation just thinking again and again meditating or the intellect i love these people who they get so moved by something they found in scripture and it's not so much that it was just a brilliant insight they see god all over it they get do you get it god's here do you get it this is it what's your pathway what's your pathway to see god in the moment Another practice is to just retrace the day. Go back when the day is done and look at it and say, where was God in this day? It's way too easy to live day after day after day after day, unreflected. But if you'll stop and think about the day, you'll see fingerprints of God. Again, I show you that verse that I showed you from from the uh, verse of the day. When you look at a verse like this, And you think about David composing a psalm. Where does does David compose a psalm for you in your mind? Does he have a favorite desk? Sits down with his scroll and his pen? You know where I think David did most of his composing? Laying on his back in his bed. He didn't necessarily do the writing there, but he he did the plotting out of the Word the truths came to his mind. He may have even gotten up one or two times and, and scribbled a few lines and gone back to bed. We need those moments to stop and reflect. I, I'd encourage you to get into practice at least a few times a week to slow yourself with an awareness of God's presence. Just stop, be in a comfortable chair, a comfortable place, and be aware that God is present. Enter his spirit with thanksgiving and gratitude, not grumbly complaining, God, why haven't you done this? Just gratitude in the moment and recount your day. Start with waking up, how you felt when you woke up, what you ate for breakfast. Recount the moments of the day, think them through, and then start to locate God in the moments. And we locate God in the moments two ways. Sometimes when he was overtly seemed to be present, and sometimes when it just seemed like God was not a part of that at all. And we actually find ourselves along with Jacob saying, you were in this moment, I wasn't even aware of it. And all of that gives us a hope for tomorrow. If he was there yesterday, he'll be tomorrow. If he was there today, he'll be tomorrow. Finally, you got to remember the promise and recite it again and again and again. He says it and he means it. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. He does not say that in vain. He means it. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Them is your enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. That is the truth. Not what your circumstances are saying. Not what your mind is saying in its sinfulness. This is the truth. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I love this next verse. I mean, this is so, oh, wow. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's here, He's present. A mighty one who can save, He's powerful. He will rejoice over you with gladness, He will quiet you with His love, He will exalt over you with loud singing. Have you ever had anybody sing over you? Feel kind of weird, wouldn't it? Kim comes in, you are so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! God sings over you. And he doesn't just sing. It says he sings over you with a loud song. He loves you that much. Of course, we have Matthew 28. Go into the the world, make disciples. And be sure of this, I will be with you always to the end of the age. The age is not done, he's still with us. Hebrews 13, the writer says, don't find your love in money. Don't find your love in stuff. He says you find your love in God. He's the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Your money is leaving you at this very moment. Go fill up your gas tank. It's leaving you. But God will not leave you or forsake you. Romans 8, 38 to 39. I am sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything in all creation, that just covers it all right there, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Use this Advent to find God in all things. Take one of those practices and work it. Just work it. Work it. And see if you do not notice, just like Jacob, That God was there all along and you didn't even notice it. Father, open our eyes to your loving presence. You said you're here. We believe you. We choose to believe you. We choose to believe the truth. As we engage in, in song this morning, as we sing these words, we get the privilege of singing to you But we have this recognition as well that there are times that you sing over us. What a mind-blowing thought. You love us that much. You never, ever, ever leave us alone. Emmanuel, the with us God, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. You're going to think this is cool or kooky. Do with it what you will. We have a spotlight right here, this one. These two lights here, they, they, they kind of add the nice little blue hue you see back there. Just bring a little little color. This light right here, for about a year and a half, has been erratic. Um, there are Sundays we come in, turn on the lights, says, I'm not coming to work today. And, and then, I don't know what happened, but we went through a stretch of, it was on all the time. Like, yay, it fixed itself, yay. And then, over the last three or four weeks, it'd been deader than a doornail. And I'm just like, oh, it's time to get out the big ladder, take it down. And, I, and I'm actually working on lights last night, and, and with all the stuff up here, it was like so pretty, and th- this looks so nice, and over here it was like bleak and dark, And it's like Jason's last Sunday, and we want to be able to see him play, because it's like an ultimate act of worship back there. And I'm I'm sitting here singing, I look up, and I'm like, the stinking light is on. (laughs) Thank you, God. Now, you know, you may give me some explanation on how electricity works. That's real neat. But for some reason, that light has not worked until right now. Thank you, God. Would you do that this week? Look for him. You're spending so much time looking for presents. I ordered Brian something a couple weeks ago. It's in Kansas somewhere. I got the the email today. We think we lost it. Ah, okay. We're working so hard to look for gifts for people. Are you looking for God with even a, a, a bit of that intensity? Look for him. Here's the thing. He's there all the time. It's you who drifts. It's us who close our eyes. It's us who don't. He's there and we didn't even notice it. So use this Advent, use these four weeks to see God everywhere. He's there. Enjoy your week.